baseball is over. No more excuses. Welcome in to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, Frank Stample joined as always by Mike McClure and Sia Najad here to recap our Week 4 cash and GPP lineup construction. We'll take a closer look at our FFT DFS contest winner, Kush6, and what he or she did in their lineup. And then we'll take an early look at Week 5 pricing. But as you likely know by now, I'm also the host of Fantasy Baseball Today here at CBS Sports. And admittedly, it is pretty damn tough to cover two sports at once, host two podcasts at once. I know Mike's probably there like, dude, I, I bet on like eight different sports at once. And he, you know, he's got it down. But it's been a bad DFS season for me to this point. So I am marking today, Tuesday, October 5th, as the day that I turn things around. And to help me do that, we have the Crystal Ball tag team here. C and Mike both called the Donald Parham first touchdown in Monday Night Football on the Early Edge podcast. Congrats to both of you. How's it going, Sia? Uh, it seems like you had a pretty good week four. It was a pretty good week four. It could have been better. We're going to look at a couple of my good lineups um, from from a DFS standpoint. And uh, yeah, I had some, you know, I had some really good picks. Unfortunately, you know, with my, you know, everybody does this with the tinkering on, you know, Sunday morning. Uh, you know, I pulled a couple shares of, of some really, you know, popular great guys, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore. I pulled them out of some lineups. Granted, I left them in some lineups too, but yeah, it's just one of those things. You, you know, you, you always. If you have a good feeling early in the week, you know, don't be dissuaded off that good feeling as as the week goes by. And that that's a problem I think we all have when we're betting or doing DFS. But yeah, it was a good week. But I'll tell you what, man, the, the Donald Parham first touchdown thing that Mike and I hit was really pretty exciting. I um, mean, to, to call that touchdown, uh, you know, just 20 minutes earlier on the early edge and to not only to to win and have money on it, but to see all of the people tweet out their tickets was super, super exciting. And I'm hoping from a DFS standpoint, we can get some people to, you know, in, in the very near future, tweet some big time GPP or cash takedowns, uh, tweet, at, tweet at us there too. What did you get Donald Parham at? 35 to 1? So on the show, I, I, I said 35 to 1, which is what it was at a lot of outlets. On my book, it was actually 40 to 1. So Ooh. I got even a little in, but I, I wanted to use, you know, my book's a little bit more obscure. I wanted to use a more common, um, commonly used outlet. So I, the, I referenced the 35 to one, but yeah, I got it. A lot of people got it at 40 to one, actually. Very nice. Congrats to both of you, Mike. What's going on, man? How was week four for you? Week four was, uh, it was an interesting one. I had a couple really good plays as you'll see here in a few minutes. And the, the, the chalk that I was on was just Awful. Just and did not go my way at all there. Uh, Same. Scraped out a win in cash, but uh, really, I didn't cash a single tournament lineup out of the five that I played. Um, really good on the prop side. Uh, I was undefeated throughout that and then hit the there. So it was another week where I've kind of did the little seesaw. DFS was great week one, not good week two, great week three, kind of ho-hum here in week four. And it's just like every time I'm not so sharp in the DFS side, the props seem to carry me. And then the week when I was super great in DFS, the I, I think I was I won one out of four bets on the betting side. So it's uh, it's been a year to start. That's for sure. Hey, man, look, if we're breaking even, I think we're doing pretty good. But when you when you're hitting those first touchdown props, I think uh, overall you're going to be doing pretty well uh, this season. Usually most people like to save the best for last. Uh uh. Let's start with the best from week four. And that was our guy. Sina Jad in cash this week put up a massive 170.88 lots of fire emojis that you can see here in this lineup. Sia, why don't you break it down for us? Yeah, so, you know, Jalen Hurts, now listen, just because it's cash, it doesn't mean you don't correlate. But here with Jalen Hurts, I really didn't know who to correlate it with because you have, of course, Dallas Goddard and Zach Hurts, which you, which you could have done, or you could have done any of the many receivers from, let's see, Devontae Smith to Jalen Rager to Quez Watkins. I mean, even Kenny Gainwell is getting in there with, with some catches. So I just left him standalone. You know, Kamar didn't really do me any favors. I probably should have paid up for Derrick Henry, which I did in a lot of other lineups. Montgomery was great. You know, it looks like he's going to be out four to five weeks. But prior to getting injured, I mean, obviously he was the guy. And this that, that was a guy we talked about, uh, particularly on the Thursday show, along with DJ Moore. Listen, this guy is just a monster. I mean, wh whether Diggs was guarding him or not, and especially in garbage time, uh, he was just lock button guy for Sam Darnold. So Corey Davis, we talked about revenge narrative, whatever you want to say about it. He's the number one receiver on uh, against a team that really can't defend receivers and we're, we're you know that's that's going to be a narrative we're going to talk about as the next few weeks go by because Tennessee can't cover anybody and Corey Davis did a really good job of proving that you know we we jumped on um, Westbrook Akinney for both GPP and cash it didn't work out but it at least gave us an opportunity to pay up for other guys now 
5.9 points for a guy that was, I believe, 3,200. It's not a disaster by any means. But again, I'm not looking at that number as much as I'm looking at the other numbers and what it allowed me to do. So again, I probably should have paid up for Derrick Henry instead of Kamara while, while getting that relief from Westbrook and Disley. But, you know, oh, I have Derrick Henry here. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, see, what are you talking about, man? You crushed yeah. it. <laughs> so I just I'm just not used to seeing Henry in the flex. So that, my, my bad on that. But yeah, you know, I guess the point here is you can have a, a few duds in here, but if those duds are low salary duds that allow you to pay up for some monster you know, chalk or what have you, you're going to be just fine. So don't think in cash, even in GPP, but don't think in cash, you have to hit home runs with all these guys. It's really hitting home runs with like three or four guys and having the other guys just be steady. I think it's a great point that you bring up too, because again, you punt two two positions here, your wide receiver, three, your tight end, and they combine for less than 10 DraftKings points, but you hit on the big chalk. And as you will see when we compare Mike and my lineup to Sia's this week, that was the biggest difference, was that you hit on the on the big chalk, and we did not have that chalk in our lineup. So Jalen Hurts, he's 24% owned in, in cash this week, puts up 31. Uh, David Montgomery, massive game. DJ Moore, massive game. Uh, Derek Henry, 63% owned, but he puts up 287 uh, in this spot. So, Mike, what do you think about this cash build here from CN Week 4? I, I like I like it. Obviously, the he went heavy on the running backs. Uh, makes a lot of sense. He elected to fade the Chiefs, which I thought was a little interesting. I thought that he might have a Kansas City player, whether it be Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, on that other side of Jalen Hurts, just because I think that they're mostly correlated to each other's success. But other than that, uh, it's also amazing that uh, Will Disley got up to 30% ownership, only 2.5 points, and still was able to walk away with a really nice score out of this. It's a great lineup. Yeah, thank you. And, and honestly, the, the only reason I didn't, and I had Tyreek in, and this isn't my only, full disclosure, this is not my only cash lineup that I played, but I, I just, because of how I wanted to build with the running backs, it didn't allow me to get Tyreek or Travis Kelsey, but um, agree with you there. And I, and I did play a good amount of both of those uh, for better or for worse uh, throughout a lot, a lot of other lineups. And I think, you know, for me, Alvin Kamara is such an interesting player at this point because Jameis Winston is just not throwing the ball to him very much. I mean, he had zero targets this past week, and that's the first time that that has happened in his NFL career. However, he has 50 carries over the last two games, so he's he's still a workhorse. workhorse. He's probably more of a workhorse running back than ever before, but he's just doing it in a way that we've never seen Alvin Kamara do it before. So uh, ultimately, he was the running back that I paid up for, and you'll, you'll see that in just a little bit. Uh, and uh, that was part of the reason why I, I did not have a very good week four. Let's move on to Mike's cash lineup here, and we will see 144.12 is the score with quite a different build. He's a man of his word. He goes with the full-on KC stack. Patrick Mahomes... Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey up top. How did the rest of the list line up do, Mike? Well, it was very interesting. I was absolutely stunned that I was able to uh, end up cashing still. Like, I, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, obviously two huge core pieces for me this week. And those guys combined for less than one of them's median projection. Uh, so clearly did not get what I was expecting there. I did roll with the double tight end. Uh, I went with Disley as well. Could not believe that he got to be that ownership. I would not have played him if I thought he was going to be that highly owned. Uh, just full disclosure on that. Um, really shocked that he didn't have a better game than that. As far as other pieces in the lineup, I've, you know, Kelsey just wasn't there. And all that production went to Tyreek Hill. Um, so the thing that's interesting about that is the reason why I was able to cash is because I was basically the only one that wanted to play Tyreek Hill in cash games yep. uh, at 2% owned. That is the only reason, and Patrick Mahomes, obviously, 5% tell you he's double digits every week. If you can find the value and you're confident in it, he's an absolutely fantastic cash game play every single week. So what's a little deceiving is like, you could say Travis Kelsey hurt me, and he did hurt me, but it didn't hurt me that much. Because if you look at like a median projection standpoint, right, before the game started, if you look at the projections for what we would have projected for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, we weren't going to be projecting 56 combined points between the two of them. All of those points were funneled over to Tyreek Hill when Kelsey was non-existent. But having Tyreek in the lineup still is the reason why that Travis Kelsey score didn't hurt me quite as much. Um, and then the rest of it, you know, I had David Montgomery as well. Makes a lot of sense there. And... Once again, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes gets it done in cash games. 
Yep, saved by Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's the main point that I have here as well. You get f- over 50 points on DraftKings at 2% ownership. That is going to... Uh, that's going to help, for sure. And, and you had Kyle Yushek as one of your running backs here at 0.2% rostered, but uh, he was min price at the running back position, and that's what allowed you to ultimately get up to those Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, we should. We actually, I think we texted about it before the uh, mm-hmm. before the the week or right right before lock. I'd have to go back and scroll, but basically, asked someone asked me in the chat what I thought the usage would look like. Uh, didn't get all the carries or the looks necessarily. I thought he was going to. Still was involved in the passing game, obviously, but he was out there for eighty two percent of snaps. That is a lot for a minimum price running back that catches passes very well out of the backfield. Uh, they do not trust Sermon. Uh, they just they don't trust him enough. So because I was playing Disley and Disley was popping up in there, that's the direction that I ended up going because those plays were somewhat correlated. And once again, it was all about the priority of getting Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes all in there together. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that overall your cash lineups continue to look more like GPP lineups, but you've talked about how the industry is very sharp right now. And and someone who has... I've bet on chalk week in and week out. And last week it worked because the chalk that I used hit. And this week it didn't work because the chalk that I had in my lineup just didn't, they didn't hit. And and again, I just didn't have the, the names that were were all the way up there, the DJ Moores and, and the Derrick Henrys. Uh, and, and that brings you to my lineup. Our loser of the week goes to me. Le who, the her. All right, so let's pull up the lineup and see what happened here. I made poor decisions. I am not going to make excuses. Uh, Again, big week for chalk, and somehow I did not wind up with Derrick Henry, DJ Moore, or David Montgomery in this cash lineup. And it's going to look weird here because I have Aaron Jones and DK Metcalf in there. Uh, Originally, they were not. I I had to late swap here because I missed out on all of that early chalk. So I I tried to get off Najee Harris and Devontae Adams. That's why I wind up with uh, Aaron Jones and DK Metcalf in the lineup here. And uh, ultimately, I, di- I didn't get that cat, um, those chalk plays because I went with Alvin Kamara. I went with Amari Cooper, who miraculously left the game on like the first drive, came back in and scored a touchdown. Like a hamstring injury has his helmet off. Normally, that's just like, all right, well, take your zero in your lineup and, and mm-hmm. that's about it. But uh, somehow gets back in there and, and scores a touchdown. Odell Beckham, I'll talk about in just a little bit because <sighs> Baker Mayfield, man, I can, I can. I can barely even say his name without like just the anger just building within. Um, but do you guys have any words of wisdom here, advice? Because I can definitely use it. What do you think, Sia? Well, for one, if you had Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams in there, I don't think that was an appropriate play. I think I think we no, no, about I didn't. Week- I didn't originally. I had so I had Devonte Adams in the flex. I had Najee Harris at running back. Oh, that's so right. I late swapped to Aaron Jones to give me mm-hmm. some direct leverage off of Devonte because I, I mean I needed something crazy to happen in order to cash, and I knew it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious what Mike's thoughts are here because it, given that, and I'm sorry I looked at it wrong um, initially, but okay. I, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I mean, we both played uh, Westbrook Kinney, We both played Disley. And we see that Westbrook, even in Mike's contest, he was like 44.9%. Here is 34%. So that type of, of chalk isn't really hurting you, even if they don't come to fruition for a variety of reasons, including the ones I said, which because it allows you to kind of pay up at other positions. I thought Kamara was going to have a better game. I mean, I think... In this case, paying up the extra 400 to Henry, I probably would have found that and maybe played Camaro in GPPs as, a plo- as opposed to Derrick Henry. So I think in cash, you, you might have wanted to get that really solid chalk. I mean, Kelsey didn't end up panning out. I, I can't criticize it too much. We were pretty big on Cooper. Beckham, we'll talk about, but listen, he got plenty of targets and, and he probably should have scored one or two touchdowns. Uh, Baker just completely missed him on, on, a, on a few balls there. So uh, honestly, I don't hate it. I don't have a lot of criticism here, but maybe Mike does. Baker Mayfield stinks. This guy stinks, man. I'm telling you, it, there's just something about, I don't know if it's like a mental block when Odell Beckham is on the field with him, like he's too nervous to play with him, whatever it might be. I, like there's more pressure to make the throws. But well, that's what it is. Frank, Frank, that's what it is. He wants to please Odell Beckham so badly. And this goes back to the Freddie Kitchens era. They would just scheme like the first play of the game would be some crazy, you know, reverse to Odell Beckham. They're so eager to make Odell happy that they they just sort of I mean I think he just kind of freezes and it's just one of those things because some of these balls I mean high school quarterbacks can throw I mean the one at the end of the game which would have been a 60 or 70 yard touchdown I mean you don't even have to hit him in stride there was nobody near him you could have literally just thrown it up there had him stop in the middle of his route and he would have caught it and run for six it's just 
it's just weird, man. It's a mental block for him. Beckham legitimately should have had three touchdowns in this game. Like he was open mm-hmm. down near the red zone on like a goal line fade where he just completely overthrew him. There was two mm-hmm. long plays where they could have been touchdowns. And look, again, I'm not going to make excuses, but like if, if Beckham puts up like a 30 spot here uh, and I leave Najee Harris in my lineup, then I, you know, I probably come close to cashing here. So I mm-hmm. uh, should have, would have, could have, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield, uh, I don't know. He just, it doesn't, it doesn't work with Odell Beckham. Mike, what do you think here? I, I don't see any issues really at all. Um, for me, J- Jalen is someone you can play without anyone in the in the game just because of the rushing upside that he possesses and that price point still. So I don't have any issues there. Your original build with Najee and um, Devontae Adams, obviously like that. Those two plays were very highly correlated. Uh, I really, really liked both of those players. Uh, it's just an unfortunate product of the, you know, it not working out, right? Um, Disley didn't work out. Westbrook Kenny did not work out. By all accounts, Amari kind of worked out and salvaged it, but certainly still wasn't even exactly what we were expecting, uh, you know, when we're actually playing him in that lineup. So, you know, it's just a product of things not working out. And that's going to happen a majority of the time, almost like you're playing, you know, it's going to happen around 50% of the time like that. And you're going to be on the right side of it, even when it doesn't work out. You just were just like for since my lineup, you looked at it there. I ended up on the right side of it because of one play. I played four players in my lineup that were over 35% owned and they didn't all crush. In fact, several of them did not crush at all. (laughs) I think three of the four did not have good games at all. Right. Um, Just an unfortunate product of the variance there. I ended up on the right side of it because of Tyree kill and you're on the wrong side of it because your version of Tyree kill Odo Beckham didn't land in the end zone three times like he could have, like Tyree Kill did. Yeah. All right. Well, you made me feel a little bit better, Mike. I guess I'll play again in week five, and hopefully <laughs> we can turn things around. Let's take a look at our GPP lineup construction here. And again, we go to the man. Start with Seals lineup here. He puts up 179.32 in this GPP lineup. Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, no bring back. That's 83 points right there in the lineup. Najee Harris pays off big, six receptions and a touchdown, though he was highly owned uh, at 15%. Not Actually, not crazy, but uh, I guess for GBP, it's a, it's a little bit high. Zach Moss mm-hmm. to score as well. Uh, not really much correlation here in this lineup. See, was that by design or was it just a play the best plays kind of lineup? Well, so I wanted to play Mahomes and Tyreek Hill a lot this last week, and, and I played them a lot. So I, I had there were a couple lineups that had bringbacks, but again, with the Eagles, when you don't have a, um, a concentration of targets like you might with like let's say Minnesota or some of these teams that really just kind of throw to one or two receivers or have like one back, it, the the bringback can can kind of hurt you. So I mean, it's one of those things. This was a single entry. I think I probably would have brought it back if it was a bigger GPP and just tried to get lucky with you know Quez Watkins or Jalen Rager or Devontae Smith or even Kenny Gainwell, who I did mention last week. But I didn't really feel the need to correlate with the Kansas City Chiefs with this lineup. Um, I, I loved. I loved Zach Moss. I actually expected him to have a slightly better game than he did. Najee is just one of those guys. It was a volume thing. DJ Moore, we've already talked about him. Obviously, I swung and missed on Westbrook Akinney. You know, we as the week went, I got a little nervous about it because Josh Reynolds was getting healthy, but I just kind of stuck with Westbrook Akinney because I, I felt like he'd get enough volume, which I was wrong about. Uh, and then DK Metcalf, I actually expected him to do better too. But I guess, the again, the moral of the story is, you don't have in these GPPs where only the top you know twenty ish percent get paid out, man. If you hit on your your stack, and when I say stack, I say it loosely. Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. If you hit on the stack or just two or three players outside of the the quarterback receiver combo, you're good. You know, obviously Tyreek's not going to score fifty per game, but it just kind of gives you evidence that you don't have to hit home runs everywhere to to cash in a GPP. You just have to hit a few home runs. That's it. Yeah, and, and if you told me beforehand, I mean, look, we all kind of expected Buffalo to win that game big. I mean, they were 17-point favorites. But if if I told you they were going to win 40-zip, you probably think Zach Moss has a little bit better game than, than just 12 DK points there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that you were probably a little bit on the bad side of that as well. And you still managed to uh, put up a pretty massive score thanks to Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Let's take a look at one of Mike's GPP lineups here. And he goes with the three-by-one uh, Packers stack with... Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Alan Lazard. You have Najee Harris here on the bringback. You do have two Chiefs in your lineup with Clyde edwards elair and Travis Kelsey. By the way, Kelsey, of course, has that dud, uh, but that's going to happen when, when Tyreek Hill goes for 50 DK points and, and scores uh, three touchdowns. But, Mike, what were you thinking here uh, with, with this GPP construction? 
Yeah, quickly comment on Sia's last lineup too. I just wanted to point out that Patrick Mahomes and his pass catchers continue to be single digit owned in mm -hmm. tournaments. He got Patrick Mahomes and Travis or and Tyree Kill both under ten percent owned, which is just fantastic. So keep playing them because the field does not play them enough. And if I could um, just what I, like, I, I, I got to interrupt you real quick because we got a criticism when we put out our um, whatever the little cheat sheet that we put out on Thursday to kind of help people with their builds and our favorite stacks and things of that nature, chalk plays, what have you. And the criticism for me specifically was, oh, well, how, how long did it take you to think up, you know, Mahomes to Kelsey, which I had on my sheet as opposed to Mahomes and Hill. But the, the point that you made to follow up, Mike, is, well, first of all, we like the I like the stack. But second of all, people aren't playing these guys. So what you think is like super intuitive or super obvious, it may be, but that doesn't mean everybody's playing them. And so there's like tremendous value in the best quarterback and best tight end combo or best quarterback, best receiver combo, especially when it's like 10% or lower. So don't think, don't assume that the obvious plays are the super common plays because oftentimes they're not. And, and you know what's crazy about that, Sia, is this is always the case. This is always the case with the Chiefs, and I understand because their costs are prohibitive. So, again, if you want to play Kelsey and Hill and Mahomes in the same lineup, you wind up with someone like Kyle Yushek as your RB2. But we are getting those those players at single-digit ownership, uh, especially in GPP. So I, I think it's a good point there and uh, a nice reminder for everyone. Mike, going back to this uh, GPP lineup here, what happened? Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers and company, you know, did not end up throwing the ball to the receivers we thought they would throw the ball to. That's pretty much as simple as that. If you look at this and listen to basically what I say throughout the week, you will see that I do exactly what I tell you I'm going to do. I find the quarterback stack that I like, and then I make it correlated, and I throw in the rest of my top value plays just by sorting them all week. You know, my absolute core this week, which did not work out for me, was Amari Cooper, Travis Kelsey, Devontae Adams. They featured in pretty much every lineup that I threw out there with Westbrook McKinney, right? And everything else was just simply, okay, I like Aaron Rodgers' pass. I, li I like Devontae Adams a lot. I like Aaron Rodgers because I thought he was going to be less than 10% owned. He came in at 3.5% owned here. I will play Aaron Rodgers at home at 3.5% ownership literally every single week of the season if I can get that. So, not upset there at all. It literally just didn't work out. But the thought process was Rodgers back at home, even in the red zone, probably going to look to get the passing touchdowns a little bit more than the rushing touchdowns. Bring it back with Najee Harris because Harris is so involved in the passing game. They're likely not moving the ball down the field very well, so they're throwing passes to him. He did end up still getting his six receptions in this game. And then the rest is just simply the top value plays of the week that I played in pretty much every single lineup. Uh, that I told you here. And I, if you're on Sportsline, you would have seen that that was the uh, the core that I was on all week. Yeah, and it was Randall Cobb that actually came through with the two touchdowns. I just wanted to mention his name because with Marquez Valdez-Scantling on IR for the at least next two weeks, you have to be on the IR for, for at least three weeks total. Uh, maybe Randall Cobb kind of works his way to some sneaky value here. He's only 4K on DraftKings in week five. I did just want to touch on Clyde Edwards-Elair as well because he's someone we brought up last week and he's performing now. Uh, you know, first two weeks, not so good. Now back-to-back 100-yard -back rushing games. Also had a receiving touchdown in each of those. You don't love the fact that Darrell Williams is still being used uh, closer to the goal line. He has two touchdowns within two yards in two of the last three games for the Chiefs. But see, uh, I, you know, after some skepticism, I think rightfully so, fumbling in week two, not catching any passes, it looks like Clyde Edwards-Elaire is getting back on track here and has legitimate value for DFS purposes. Totally agree. And, and you know, for the last two weeks, Mike's been pumping this guy up and, and I don't know how many people are actually listening, but it's one of those things where I don't think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is really that talented. I, I truly don't, but I also don't think it really matters if this offense is humming like it was against the Eagles. And by the way, yeah. speaking of Travis Kelsey, so the reason why I think we all thought, and it's not just us, I mean, I think the entire industry thought Travis Kelsey was going to be such a good play is because the two previous weeks where Kansas City, by the way, lost, they were bracketing and double covering Tyreek Hill all day. And that was leaving Tyreek Hill open underneath. And you might say, well, yeah, we don't want to, I mean, excuse me, Travis Kelsey underneath. You might say, well, well yeah, we don't want to tr leave Travis Kelsey open. Well, the consequence of leaving Travis Kelsey open and, and, and giving that underneath stuff is you force Mahomes to slowly matriculate the ball down the field, which he doesn't like to do, and which actually has led to turnovers through the month of September. So for some reason, 
the Eagles decided they wanted a single cover Tyree kill in most situations, and he just completely ate them up. So the the game, the defensive game plan that was actually working for opponents of the Chiefs week two and week three, well, the Eagles, for whatever reason, decided not to do that. And so it adversely affected Travis Kelsey because Tyree kill was going to burn whoever was guarding him, whether it was Darius Slay or not, all day. Imagine thinking Darius Slay can guard Tyree Kill 101, right? I mean, like, what are we doing? What are we actually like, doing? Who is the DC of the Eagles right now? I got to look this up. And, Gannon. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, uh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to single cover Tyree Kill. But I think also they were probably trying to overcompensate for, I guess, what happened in week three, right? Because they got shredded by Dalton Schultz in primetime. They gave up two touchdowns there. So maybe that's something that's in the back of their mind. Like, all right, we don't want to get beat up by the tight end again. But then, you know, again, you, you bring defenders up, and then what happens is you leave Tyree Kill in single coverage, and, and that's what winds up happening uh, to basically any defense that tries to do that. I will pull up my uh, one of my GPP teams this past week, and uh, winter is coming. That means lots of snowflakes here. Kirk Cousins with the stack of Justin Jefferson in the lineup here, of course. Could have been a much bigger day if Odell Beckham hits on those touchdowns. Maybe we get some more scoring on the other side then. We potential shootout between the Vikings and Browns, but ultimately uh, that does not come to fruition. David Montgomery in the lineup here, got the chalky running backs. Najee Harris does what he's supposed to do. Uh, I have some value plays. I have Evan Ingram, Nick Akini Westbrook. Those are just my one-offs here trying to save some salary. Did get Evan Ingram uh, just 5%, but really doesn't do much in that game against the uh, New Orleans Saints in a game where Daniel Jones throws for over 400 yards. Evan Ingram uh, does Evan Ingram things. And then, uh, well, I had Devonta Adams also correlated with Najee Harris, and um, I had the Bears defense correlated with David Montgomery. Uh, I, this isn't as correlated as my GBP lineups normally are, but I felt I felt okay about it. I think ultimately, Mike, this just comes down to Beckham not scoring those touchdowns, and then that game just not turning into a shootout. Yeah, no, the lineup is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the lineup. The defense and running back correlation is beautiful. Um, I also, on FanDuel, I played a Cousins and Jefferson lineup. And like you, we were probably pretty excited about this lineup in the first 10 minutes of the game. March down the field, <laughs> Dude. throw a touchdown to Jefferson. Looks like all systems go. I was We've counting my money. Cleveland I was side. counting right. my money, Mike. I was counting the money. I was ready to go. Yep. And, and yeah. then... This doesn't come through late. The Cleveland side, there's really no offense in that game. I mean, they, there's 21 total points in that game. And frankly, we we're expecting probably 24 points in the first half of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it didn't get there. And it's just an unfortunate product. But if we want to talk about process over results, there, I think there was absolutely nothing wrong with your process uh, on that lineup other than maybe not playing Westbrook or Kenny in every GPP. However... I will still say that he was a very sharp play for a couple of reasons. One, when you look at the ownership levels in the higher buy-in contests, he was more owned in the more expensive contests than he was in the cheaper contests, which tells you generally more professional players are interested in playing that value play. And then number two, we talked about the volume maybe not being there. I would argue that the volume was there for him. He was targeted eight times. You give me a wide receiver at that price point, getting targeted eight times, like catch five of them, average target six to eight yards, maybe get in the end zone, maybe don't, but like you should have put up 10 to 12 points pretty conservatively. Like if you play that game again, a hundred times, he, he's not scoring that low very many times again. So I, and I, I think like I'm talking about with the sharper crowd in the higher stakes contest, wanting to play him more than that. Uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with playing him. Just an unfortunate result. Yeah. Look, if you tell me that before the game, Nick Westbrook-Akini is getting 16% of the targets in a game where the teams combined for 51 points and it's a three-point game, you play him every time. Just based on that process. So uh, I think it's a good point that you bring up there. And before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that our FFT DFS contest is live on DraftKings. 150 entries, $5 per entry. Top 15 gets paid out. And the link is in the podcast and YouTube description if you would like to join and play against Sia, Mike, myself and my dad. My dad has actually p- competed in every one of the contests that awesome. we put out. He has not cashed yet, but uh, if he does, I will, uh, I'll pull up his lineup one day here and, and we'll take a look at what he does there. Uh, but ultimately I did want to uh, give a shout out to the winner of our contest here. Kush six. They take it down 197.68 points in this one. They go with 
the Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith stack to bring it back with Tyreek Hill. That is just, that is awesome. Uh, Devontae Smith has his breakout game here, seven for 122 yards. You get that 100 plus receiving yardage bonus on DraftKings. Chase Edmonds and Zach Moss, you hit the mid tier, sub six uh, $6,000 for each of those names. And uh, they, they come through. Chase Edmonds has a game that, you know, we talk about every week that he's capable of having. Puts up 21 points there. Uh, and then you hit some chalk with Amari Cooper, Najee Harris. Dawson Knox is the moneymaker here. 5-37, two touchdowns at 5% ownership. Puts up 20, nearly 21 DK points here. This is a pretty awesome lineup, see ya. I, I absolutely love it. I, I love the use of, and I, and I wonder if if this is partly, and we talked about this last week, a result of listening to our show, because we've been singing the praises of Chase Edmonds the whole season for good reason. And we were certainly singing the praises of Zach Moss last week. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I just, uh, I, there's nothing, I mean, the Dawson Knox thing, listen, that's sometimes going to work and sometimes it's not, you know, in a, in a regular GPP, this lineup still would have cashed most likely, even if he had like Will Disley in there, but these low end tight ends, they're, they're going to hit, they're going to miss. That's why we typically pay up for the Travis Kelsey's of the world. But yeah, I, I like it. Amari seems to be the only miss. He did get hurt. So it's certainly understandable, but this is a, this is a just absolutely great lineup. Mike, anything that you'd like to add to this lineup? Dawson Knox, by the way, I mean, he's someone that the fantasy industry collectively has watched the past couple of years and you say yeah. there, there's something there. I mean, the guy seems like he has talent. It's just that the Bills spread the ball out so much. You know, obviously they target Stefan Diggs quite a bit, but you know they they have four receivers on out there at most of the times, and obviously there just wasn't enough to go around. It seems like the Dawson Knox breakout is kind of happening right now. It definitely is happening, and this lineup is great. And frankly, this lineup uh, it, it underperformed. Like this should be well over 200 points. Um, that the score from Moss, like he he has a 20 point game just like Evans. In most scenarios, you run that game back. Uh, he, that's a 20-point performance from him. Amari's probably hitting 20 if he's truly fully healthy and ready to go in there. Um, yeah, I think the lineup is absolutely fantastic. And whether you played Knox intentionally to pivot from Disley or not, either way, like like I mentioned earlier, I played Disley, as did Sia. Um, if I had known he was going to be 35% owned, I would have made a pivot really, really, really quickly. I was not expecting that level of ownership. Anytime you're going to have your value tight end, it's not even the same as a wide receiver. A value tight end like that, if you know they're going to be that chalky, uh, you're going to be way better off making the pivot every single time. All right. The one thing, Frank, sorry, Frank, the one thing I wanted to add is that, you know, keep in mind this is a 150 person contest, this CBS FFT DFS contest. And the reason I bring that up is because that lineup, other than the initial stack, wasn't super highly correlated. It, it ended up doing great regardless. But I would definitely say if you're in a if you're in a tournament with like I don't know 20,000 or something, you might want to have like a secondary stack sort of correlation in there. But again, with 150 people, even with maybe like 500 people, you don't necessarily need to do that. And that's and he didn't do that, which is which is just fine. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll take an early look at week five pricing next on Fantasy Football Today DFS. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so week five is nearly here. The main slate will consist of 12 games, not our usual 13, with the Jets taking on the Falcons in London at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday. So again, that game is not part of the main slate. Only three games with a total of at least 50 points as of now, according to Caesar Sportsbook. Though if you lower that number to 48 points, we have seven games with at least a 48-point total. So uh, that's going to happen when the Seahawks and Rams play on Thursday Night Football and the Bills and Chiefs play on Sunday Night Football. We just don't have these massive point totals that we're used to seeing. 
At the quarterback position, we have one quarterback at 8K, and that is Kyler Murray, who is at home against the San Francisco 49ers. If you drop down a tier, there are three names that I'm looking at as of now in this mid-tier range. Jalen Hurts at 7K. He's at the Carolina Panthers, a defense that, for the most part, has played very well this year, uh, but Hurts just has such a safe floor the way that he is rushing the ball, and honestly, he's throwing the ball pretty well also. Uh, Dak Prescott is 6,900 in that divisional matchup against the Giants, and then Justin Herbert, 6,800 at home against the Cleveland Browns. Mike, any interest in these top-tier quarterbacks in Week 5? Yeah, I do have some interest there. I think that there's two that I really, really like, and that's going to be Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I like Aaron Rodgers. I think it'll be a big bounce back spot for Devontae Adams in particular. So I'm always going to be interested in stacking those up. Uh, you mentioned Prescott Hurts right below him. Uh, I love that Aaron Rodgers is $100 more and $200 more than both of those two guys. Um, I think we're going to get Rodgers in tournaments at under 5% owned once again this week. Uh, so I'll be playing that in tournaments for sure, like Kyler Murray, as I mentioned, and then uh, Trey Lance. I'll be dropping all the way down and playing that as long as everything's good to go and he's starting there. I think it's going to be a really great spot for him, and I think the floor is just exceptionally high because I do anticipate him trying to run and also having to run uh, against this defense. Yep. Trey Lance, uh, he's the wild card. We mentioned a few weeks back, Justin Fields was that wild card. He was set to make his first start at the time against the Cleveland Browns. Trey Lance, 5,700 at the Cardinals this week with one of the higher totals on the main slate. This is all assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo can't go because there's already been some whispers that Kyle Shanahan said he might be ready to go. I don't know. Originally, they said it was going to be a couple of weeks, but Trey Lance last week played one half he put up 20.38 DK points. He ran for like 41 yards. He threw two touchdowns, one of them completely blown coverage. So shout out to the uh, Seahawks secondary there for helping out Debo Samuel. Uh, but a few other names that are 6K or less that caught my eye. Trey Lance was one of them. Daniel Jones, 6K at the Cowboys. He has at least 16 DK points and 27 rushing yards in each game this season. I mentioned earlier, he threw for 400 yards last week against the New Orleans Saints. And then Trevor Lawrence, 5,800 up against the Tennessee Titans. See, you mentioned this Titan secondary cannot cover anybody right now. Chenault is coming off his best game of the season. Obviously, Marvin Jones is still there. DJ Chark is on IR. Um, what do you think about these lower-priced quarterbacks? And uh, just a bonus question, do you think Urban Meyer actually makes it to Sunday? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think he does make it to Sunday. All right. I mean, often the often the the bad news or the bad press, if you will, like comes initially and then you know, just kind of fizzles out. And I think Urban Meyer is probably going to be here for the whole year. And then they'll find a way for for him to kind of leave uh, gracefully, perhaps. But so, listen, I, I like all these guys. Uh, I don't know how many I'm going to play outside of Trey Lance. I like Trey Lance quite a bit, even without that that blown coverage. Like, let me be clear about Trey Lance. I don't think he's ready to be a starting NFL quarterback, but I also don't know that it really matters from a fantasy perspective because he will pile up some yards and, and those short area targets that he has, you know, with respect to Debo and Brandon Ayuk, if, if Brandon Ayuk actually gets some touches, I mean, these guys can, you know, run a, a six yard slant to the house. So, I mean, he's going to get help from his receivers, but also with his legs. So he's a great value. I think Daniel Jones is very interesting at 6K. I, I would want to see how many of his receivers are healthy for that game. And, and that'll convince me a little bit more. Trevor Lawrence, I like, don't love, but at 5,800, I'm going to have to have one or two shares of him in, in the event that they rely on his arm rather than James Robinson. And your point on Trey Lance, like, Everyone's talking about Trey Lance right now, and I think if he's a starter, he's probably going to have a, a pretty high ownership this week. But especially if you pay and playing cash or single entry, look fifty seven hundred. I think that you can uh, afford to play Trey Lance even at higher ownership at that price. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and last point on him, you mentioned he's pr not ready to be a starting quarterback, and it probably doesn't matter. Let me just remind everyone the name of Tim Tebow, right? Like there was a time where he was fantasy relevant just because of what mm -hmm. he would do rushing. And that's not meant to disparage Trey Lance or compare him to Tebow. It's actually, I think it's propping him up because he's better than, than Tim Tebow and better than, you know, Tim Tebow as a, as a quarterback prospect. So uh, that, mm -hmm. I think that's just more reason to, uh, 
to target him in week five, assuming that he starts. At the running back position, we have the four horsemen that are up over 8K on DraftKings. Derrick Henry at the Jaguars. He is $9,000. Christian McCaffrey is going up against the Eagles. He's 8,700. He's going to try and practice on Wednesday to see where he's at physically. Alvin Kamara is at Washington this week. He is 8,600. And then Dalvin Cook is going up against the Detroit Lions in what should be an amazing matchup. He's 8,400. But he left early again in week four dealing with that ankle injury. He only played 49% of the snaps. We all saw what David Montgomery did against that Lions defense one week ago. I would not be surprised if, even at this cost, Derrick Henry is like 70% owned in cash. And Obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to need some value to open up here, but against the Jaguars, it's it's going to be very enticing. Sia, what do you think about this elite group up over 8K? And, you know, stay tuned for the Thursday show, because I think by then we'll have some value open up. Usually it'll it'll even open up more, you know, as the weekend progresses. But, yeah, I think Thursday show we're going to be able to to consider some builds with Derrick Henry and let's say a Trey Lance and, and a couple low end receivers because of injuries or low end running backs that are going to allow us to do a lot of things this week. I like Derrick Henry a lot. I mean, it's just hard not to like him, particularly at Jacksonville. This team needs a win. They're kind of Tennessee's kind of desperate for a win. They don't really have the receiving options. I don't know that A.J. Brown or Julio Jones are going to be back on Sunday. And I just think they're going to have to lean on Henry. Listen, this guy is averaging over 30 touches per game. I mean, it's kind of unheard of these days in in the modern NFL to have a running back get this many rush attempts and this many targets. So, again, over 30 touches a game, I don't – combining attempts and targets, I don't see that slowing down for this particular game. So I like him a lot. I think Kamara was interesting coming off a bad game. That Washington defense has a lot of holes in it. And I think if New Orleans is smart, they lean on Kamara not only in the running game but also the passing game. They didn't do it last week. I thought they would. But I think their game plan, especially coming off that loss, is going to shift, and Kamara is going to be a major centerpiece. And see, you mentioned that the Titans are desperate for a win here. So are the Jaguars. So I wonder if that leads to this game being even more competitive. And normally, those are the games where Derrick Henry could just go absolutely ballistic. Some mid-tier names that stand out to me at their current cost. Saquon Barkley is at the Cowboys. He's 7,300. He's played at least 84% of the snaps in each of the past three games. Ezekiel Elliott has played well the past two games. He is on the other side there going up against the Giants. He is 7K. Uh, James Robinson on the other side of Derrick Henry. Uh, He is 6K in the spot, 95% of the snaps last week. He had 19 touches and two touchdowns. And then Kareem Hunt, I I was surprised. He has scored, I believe, a touchdown in three of four games. He was 6K last week, and then they drop his price down to 5,800 here at the Chargers in what I would expect to be a pretty competitive game between the Browns and the Chargers here. So, uh, Mike, these are some mid-tier names that stand out to me. Saquon, Zeke, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on James Robinson at six at six K for now. Um, another one that hasn't been mentioned yet, Leonard Fournette, fifty two hundred. I think is very interesting. I know we always, you know, you're at the risk of Tom wanting to throw everything in the end zone, but uh, I was very encouraged with his workload. Um, I think at fifty two hundred as of right now, he's one of the better plays. Uh, I do expect a lot of value to open up. We haven't mentioned down at the bottom Samaji Pirine for the Bengals. I think that he's going to be in play at the minimum price. And then Damian Williams for the Chicago Bears against the Raiders. Uh, I think a good spot for him as well. Um, at the top-ish, I, I, I call it the top-ish. I think Najee Harris is where I would end up looking again. Likely going to play him over um, Kamara or Derrick Henry personally. I can tell you I'm going to have Devontae Adams in every lineup again this week. I think it's a great spot for him. So I'm going to most likely be electing to spend up big at the uh, receiver positions this week because I think we're going to have a lot of value at quarterback with Lance and a lot of value at running back uh, due to the injuries that we've seen and that will be built upon over the next two days. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm totally with you with those value plays. Damian Williams looking like he's going to fill in for David Montgomery. He left that game with a thigh bruise himself, so we'll have to make sure that he's healthy. But 5,600, capable pass catcher, has a history with Matt Nagy. Uh, Leonard Fournette coming off a game with 23 touches, and he's 5,200 in a really good matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Definitely would help if Gio Bernard does not play again this week. Let's take a look at the wide receiver position. There are seven wide receivers that are up over 7K 
in week five and going from the highest salary to the lowest of that group. We have Devonte Adams at the Bengals. He's 8,200 Justin Jefferson versus the lions 77. We have Deandre Hopkins versus the 49ers 76 DJ Moore finally gets that massive price jump. He is up against the Eagles 7,500 Terry McLaurin up against the saints 74 Mike Williams. He is $700 more than Keenan Allen, which just did not really make sense to me. Keenan Allen has a higher target share this year. He has more red zone targets. Uh, but for some reason, Mike Williams is 7,200. And then Debo Samuel is at the Cardinals. He is 7,100. See, anyone stand out here from the upper tier of wide receivers? Only a couple guys for me. Devontae Adams, of course. Uh, I agree about the bounce back spot. I think uh, I think that's going to be a good stack with uh, Rodgers. I like DJ Moore again against Philly's defense. We saw what Tyreek Hill. Maybe maybe the Philly D adjusts, but at the same time, DJ Moore has just been a target monster, favorite target for Sam Darnold. So I like him quite a bit. But yeah, in this top end, I, I, that that's pretty much I think all I'm at least for right now. That's all I'm going to be playing in the mid tier. Keenan Allen just mentioned his name. He is 6,500. He has a 28% target share on the season. Chris Godwin is going up against the, the Dolphins. Uh, he is 6,300 in the spot. And then both Cowboys wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb is 6,200. Amari Cooper is 6,100. I've already looked at a few optimizers, and those are names that are popping off early in the week. The problem is Dak Prescott has 27 pass attempts or less in three straight games. He's still finding a way to meet value. He's using his tight ends. He's incorporating Ezekiel Elliott a little bit more as well. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Cowboys at this price point. Mike, what do you think? CeeDee Lamb, 6,200. Amari Cooper, 61. Uh, I don't mind them. I think they're fringe playable in all formats. I think that there's going to be a point where they're going to be really good tournament plays once again, because there is going to be that week where they find themselves in an overly competitive game that we don't think is supposed to be that competitive could very well be this division game against a team that just beat the Saints. Um, so I, I like them. Um, I would prefer to like them more when I like really wanted to play Dak, and I still might. But as of right now, it's going to be a lot of Trey Lance for me. Um, so I'm going to be looking at the top. It's going to be, I, I can tell you right now, like I my initial build has Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, and Debo Samuel as the three wide receivers in the build. Um, that's where I'm looking at right now because I, I there's no Travis Kelsey to pay up for. But the reason why I like them is it sets up really well, uh, the Dallas receivers in particular, it sets up really well in terms of building correlated lineups because we know we're not going to be able to pay up for Travis Kelsey at tight end. Evan Ingram, $3,200, uh, really good bring back piece if you're looking at a Cowboys stack. Kadarius Tony is still relevant, 4K there. Uh, but that bring back piece with Evan Ingram when we know that there's not the elite, elite tight end class here, I think that that's going to be a pretty crucial piece to uh, playing someone like Amari Cooper or CD lamb. If those guys are going to have the kind of game that you're looking for, it's likely because the giants are moving the football and the giants to move the football and be really competitive here. I don't really envision scenarios where Evan Ingram isn't at least targeted. There were eight value plays and these are below six K that stood out to me. Marvin Jones is 5,700 going up against that Titan secondary. There's no DJ Chark in this matchup. Allen Robinson is all the way down to 5,500. I don't really know if we can trust him, but at the same time, I just feel like eventually the talent is going to win out for Allen Robinson. T. Higgins, if he can make his return, he's only 5K. So if you want to correlate stacks there, Devonta Adams, Aaron Rodgers, bring it back with T. Higgins. He is the cheapest of the three Bengals wide receivers. Hunter Renfro has at least six targets in each game. He's 4,900 this week. LaVisca Chenault coming off his best game. He's 4,800. Jalen Waddell, uh, Will Fuller will not play. In week five, Jalen Waddle is 4,800. He has a 21% target share at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Their secondary has struggled this season. Mike, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. He is only 4K, played 78% of the snaps last week, uh, and 23 of those came in the slot. 16 came out wide. He saw nine targets. So they were trying to manufacture touch, touches for Kadarius Tony, and he actually looked pretty good. And this one just stood out to me like stone minimum this week, Curtis Samuel. He is 3K going up against New Orleans. He only played 37% of the snaps last week, but yeah. eight out wide, seven in the slot, one in the backfield. He has a history with Ron Rivera, who's his coach there. This just, I mean, this seems crazy to me. Like, I don't know. 3K? That seems too cheap to you. 
I totally agree. And, and I honestly, I think the 37% snap rate that you mentioned was just them reacclimating him to, you know, a, a, a full game. I don't think they were going to throw him out with the injury, the soft tissue injury that he had. They weren't going to just throw him out for 80% of the snaps. So that, that one makes a ton of sense. As far as the value plays that you mentioned, I do love Chenault, but I think I like Waddle even better. They're both the same price. And, and again, I know you talked about it, but listen, Miami's going to be down in this game. And Waddle is going to be a main target against this back end of the Bucks that is like getting a new injury every single game. It wasn't a good back end in the first place. Like this could be an absolute breakout for Waddle. Uh, and I'll just mention in that same game, Antonio Brown, I don't know if you mentioned him, but at 5,200, I, I think there's plenty of value there. Yeah, I believe he had 11 or 12 targets this past week, so uh, definitely could could get some Antonio Brown in there. Let's move on to the tight end position. And you mentioned Jalen Waddle. They're playing from behind. Mike Gusecki is 4,200. He has run 120 routes this season. Only six of them have come in line as a tight end. So basically, he is a big slot receiver. And Jacoby Brissett likes throwing to his slot receiver so far, Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. So at 4,200, he stands out to me. Jared Cook is only 3,600. He is sixth among tight ends in routes run this season. The super cheap value play that is standing out to me, Logan Thomas is hurt. And Ricky Seals Jones is someone like, I feel like I've wanted him to be something for so long. I feel like we all have, but he is the minimum price up against the Saints at 2,500. Uh, Mike, can I interest you in any of those value tight ends or is there anyone that you're looking up to pay for? Yeah, no, I think that uh, Ricky Seals Jones is definitely in play. It's going to come down to what the ownership's going to be looking like later in the week for me, uh, especially when you get into these cheaper value tight ends. I'm very conscious of what the projected ownership's going to be there, way more so than when I'm just playing Travis Kelsey. Uh, I mentioned Evan Ingram just because I think that I am going to have pieces of Dallas in tournaments at least, uh, and I think he's a really good bring back there. The other guy that I want to talk about, I think we've talked about him a little bit here. We've definitely talked about him over on Sportsline on the Early Edge. It's going to be Max Williams, $3,400 for Arizona. Going to be a crucial bring back piece for me if I'm not, if I have a Trey Lance lineup and I'm not paying up for DeAndre Hopkins because I'm paying up for those other three guys that I've already told you about. I think that that's going to be a very nice bring back piece at 3,400. I love his involvement in the passing game. I love the way Kyler Murray is, is distributing the football pretty evenly to all of his weapons so far. Um, so at 3,400, I think you could do a lot worse than Max Williams. Yep, and that game does have one of the higher totals on the main slate as well between the Cardinals and the 49ers. See the higher price tight ends this week. Darren Waller is 7,300. George Kittle is in that same game at the Cardinals. Uh, we just were talking about Max Williams. He's 5,600. So weird. George Kittle does not have a red zone target this year. It just stood out to me when I was looking things up earlier. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is at the Vikings. He's 5,500, but has slowed down quite a bit over the last two weeks. Anyone higher price here that you like, see it, or... Are you also looking at value plays? Oh, I'm definitely looking at value plays. But of the three top guys, I think Hawkinson is the most interesting. I'm not willing to play. The, I'm not willing to gamble with Kittle, especially with Trey Lance at quarterback. I don't know what to expect. And Kittle's a little banged up as well. I don't want to pay with the builds that I want to have this week. I'm not going to pay 7300 for Waller uh, at home against the Bears. But Hawkinson, you know, the sort of the stock is down a little bit. But honestly, against Minnesota, I think he's going to have a pretty easy time. So uh, I think he'll suck up a lot of targets. He probably won't have very high ownership because he's the third most expensive tight end. And if that's the case, if those if our ownership projections indicate that, and again, we'll have some initial ownership projections on the Thursday show, I think Hawkinson's a, a pretty smart play. All righty, that will do it. For Mike and Sia, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. The next time you hear us will be Thursday when we break down each game on the main slate in week five. See you then. 